At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, I'm Rebecca Lowe, host of NBC's coverage of the Premier League. Welcome along to the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast, where you can get the latest can't-miss content from NBC's coverage of one of the best leagues in the world. Plus, be sure to tune in on weekends at 7 a.m. Eastern for Premier League mornings on NBCSN. But for now, we hope you enjoy the latest edition of the Premier League on NBC podcast. So that is the relegation picture done and dusted. Watford and Bournemouth are down. Aston Villa are guaranteed safety for another season. What about that top four race that we were watching there on NBC with Arlo White, Lee Dixon and Graham Lasso? So Leicester lose to Manchester United. United finish the season in third spot. Level on points with Chelsea, who also make it into next season's Champions League. Both level on 66. Leicester end up finishing four points further back in fifth spot. What about... What about elsewhere around the league? Let's bring you the final scores, the full list on this final day of 2019-2020. So victories for United and Chelsea. That 1-1 crucial draw for Villa at West Ham. Arsenal beating Watford and sending them down. Bournemouth doing their job. They had to win. They did against Everton, but it wasn't enough because Villa got a draw. Brighton beat Burnley by two goals to one at Turf Moor. 1-1 it ended at Palace, which meant Tottenham finished sixth in a guaranteed Europa League spot. Manchester City beat Norwich by five goals to nil David Silva's last game. The champions beat Newcastle, come from behind by three goals to one, and it ends on the South Coast. Southampton, another good season for them. Three, Sheffield United, one. Brilliant scenes here in East London as the villains stay up. And this is the final bottom half of the table. We'll start top to bottom. So Southampton finish in 11th spot. Next come Carlo Ancelotti's Everton. He won't like that, sitting in 12th. Newcastle under Steve Bruce, decent. 13th, they'd have taken that in August, you have to say. Palace, 14th. They got a point at the end of the season, so it wasn't eight straight defeats. Brighton finish up in 15th spot and well clear of relegation. West Ham in 16th. They, too, five points clear of that bottom three. Villa by just that single point remain outside the dreaded three. It's Bournemouth, it's Watford and it's been Norwich for a while are the three that go down. We're going to hear from the Aston Villa manager Dean Smith but first here's the Aston Villa keeper Pepe Reina. Pepe made it just about nerve wracking. It's um, it's been hard. It's been uh, a hard uh, season, a long one with the lockdown. We just, you know, we, we just, we just never give up. And when uh, it seemed uh, almost impossible two weeks, three weeks ago, we still believed it. And uh, and that togetherness, uh, that belief, that uh, commitment, uh, and that uh, resilience, you know, made us uh, for all of us. We saw that ex- big explosion of joy when when Jack scored. Captain Villa fan, he was bound to make his mark. Well, it's, uh, it's a turning, turning point for for all the lads. Uh, I have what, one, two years left on my career, but for them, it's to keep that status and uh, still being uh, Premier League players is massive for the club, for the city, for 
for everybody. So uh, I'm very, very, very pleased. Uh, it seems like, you know, I just came in January to, to help the team and uh, somehow I just, you know, it's like a job done. Uh, I can come back now. Fingertip away from keeping that ball out that was dri- d- dropping over your head. That must be worrying. It was, it was, it was a mistake, to be honest. A mistake, first instance. Uh, to then we shoot uh, with this uh, stronger foot, and then I just calculated my, uh, wrongly, and uh, you know, I could do much, much more than that. So I felt very guilty. Now I feel less guilty, <laughs> thanks God. And uh, the draw was good for us. So as I say, very, very pleased for the last. Yeah. We never gave up, and uh, it's been it's been an extraordinary half season. So we have time to take a breath, Dean. Sort of stress, strain, then relief, then joy, then a bit more agony, and then more relief and joy. Yeah, all in one, really. I mean, he was aware of the other scores elsewhere, as you have to be. Um, and then when Jack scores, you know, you think that's it, it's over, you, you're safe, and they get a deflected strike. But I didn't think we were great today, in all honesty. Um, but I thought we defended really resolutely again and, and restricted him. Antonio's had the chance early. I think Esri made a mistake. And uh, other than that, it was... I think defence is on top in the in the whole game, um, but it's a magnificent achievement from everybody. You managed to stay well on the outside at least, relatively calm from what we could see. But you, you would get messages at half time. You'll know that Watford were coming back. You know Bournemouth were ahead. There must be a lot going on in your head. Yeah, there is. But we just had to concentrate on this game. Um, you know, we were all, we were up at through, throughout all the stage of the of the games. So we didn't need to go and throw caution to the wind because against a good team in, in good form at the moment. Moments, they could easily go and score one the other end. So, you know, we, we, we was resolute and uh, Jack's scored, I said he'd score today. You know, he, he was due one and he scored a magnificent goal. And, you know, unfortunately we had to concede one at the end, which uh, um, was a disappointment and it just spreads spreads nerves, I suppose, through the last five or ten minutes. But the lads saw the game out well. It's your boyhood club as well, so it must mean a hell of a lot more for you. Yeah, he does. And, yeah, as I said, listen, I, I was brought up a Villa fan and... Um, <clears throat> and you know, but I've been involved in professional football for 33 years. Only two of them have been with Aston Villa. But it's a proud moment because it, it actually feels better than it did last year going up through the playoffs. And that's because, you know, whether we'd won or lost or if we'd got relegated today, I'd have said the same thing. There was a big change that we had to make at the football club at the end of the season. Not many... Not many people uh, understand that we had to build a new team, a new squad. Uh, people just looked at the money that we'd spend, but it averaged out to about nine and a half million pounds a month. And we used the pandemic the best, I feel. Um, you know, as you know, I lost my father through that period, and uh, there was a lot of disappointment. But we worked very hard because we knew we had to work hard to to defensively be better and the last 10 games is credit to them players because they worked extremely hard yeah it's been an emotional time for you and a great recovery after the pandemic can you talk to the Villa fans who've been screaming that they're telling all the way through promise <laughs> yeah, them I mean, this won't happen again mate. listen I, I've <laughs> lost my voice as well I've got the badge on all tenders in the sky so um, you know really proud to lead this, this team now, what happens with Jack Grealish now? Because he is the captain, he's the goal scorer, he's the hero today, and there's loads of chat about him, and you're probably tired of, of answering questions about it, but it's the, t- it's the end of the season now, so what, what do you expect? I expect, him, I expect him to get drunk with me tonight. It's <laughs> uh, the only answer <laughs> I, I can give I think that's you. a guarantee. <laughs> is that a good time to, t- to discuss contracts and futures? No, listen, I'll, I'll sit down with the this one director and the CEO and, and, and speak to the owners tomorrow, um, but let us enjoy this, because it's a, a great achievement. From where we were, we were written off by, by many people, and uh, uh, we've managed to stay up on the last day. So now, because you're one of the grand, grand dams of the old uh, Premier League for many, many years, and, and before that as well, so now it's the time to re-establish Villa, is it? 
Yeah, listen, we, we wanted to at the start of last season when we got promoted, but, you know, we, as I said, there was a massive turnaround of players and we had to. Uh, there were so many contracts up and so many things to do and we brought players in and what's important now is the players have actually grown through the season as I thought they would and, you know, a lot of them are looking Premier League players now, but we have to be smart with our recruitment now in the summer for next season. Enjoy that party tonight. Cheers, thank you very much. Thank you, Dick. Cheers. Massive relief for all Aston Villa fans around the world. Robbie Musso, how do you go from two weeks ago being seven points away from safety to on the final day going safe? I'll tell you how you do it. You, you do it how he's just described, that in the pandemic they used it to get together and to improve as a team defensively. And since the restart, it hasn't been perfect defensively, but it's been a lot better, particularly in the last four games, conceding two goals. That's the reason they've turned it around. And fair play to, to my mate Dean, Dean Smith there. He's kept the same philosophy all season long, obviously better defensively recently, still wanted to attack, still want to get on the front foot. He's had strikers that haven't scored. They've spread the goals around the midfield with Grealish and, and uh, McGinn and, and uh, Douglas Costa and, and all chipping in with goals, and they finally did it. I, I'm one of those. I'm one of those that thought there's too many changes, too many new players, you know, kind of a, a, a big jump up as a manager as well. He has done it on the last day, and, and congratulations to him. Because they were, and a lot of people were, as mm. he says himself, Dean Smith, being written off, and understandably so. I, I picked something else up from, from, from that interview, Rebecca. You won't be surprised. When he said, what, you, what will you do with Jack Grealish tonight? He said, we'll go out and get drunk together. <laughs> One, I love that kind of management. Two, it tells you that he, he, he's with the group, Rebecca. You asked us earlier, what, like, which dressing would you rather be in? I said Aston Villa because of the guy who's in charge. He's not got two up when they've won. He's not got two down when, when they haven't. He's kept a stability around the football club, as Robbie said. They haven't had a striker all season. Wesley hasn't delivered goals for him, so they've almost had to carry the team without having a striker. He's worked on their defending since Project Restart, and when we started... The, the Premier League back. They were in the bottom three, Rebecca. They've just got out of it this week and now they're going to stay in, in the Premier League. And I'm delighted for one reason, because Aston Villa brings something to the Premier League. Yeah, and Dean Smith just recently said, Rebecca, like, and this is to all the Villa fans out there, if we stay up, our billionaire owners will go again financially. They've got the money, they want to put money into mm. to increase the, uh, the ability of the squad going into next season as well. So that's good news too. This is the top half as it stands now. The, the season is over. We'll start at the top. Liverpool champions, as we've known now for over a month. Man City confirmed in place number two. So it's Manchester United and Chelsea who make up the four teams will be playing in next season's Champions League. In fifth spot, Leicester City will go into the Europa League. So will Tottenham, who've pipped Wolves to sixth spot right at the end on goal difference. Look at that level on 59 points. Then it's Arsenal. Poor, poor finish from them in eighth position. Sheffield United down in ninth, but they'll be happy with that and Sean Dyche and Burnley finishing nicely there in mid-table. Let's go to the two games then that we've just seen the highlights from and hear from Mason Mount, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, but first Manchester United's Harry Maguire. Harry, congratulations, you've done it. What sort of achievement was it to come from so far back in the pack and eventually finish third and seal that Champions League place? Well, yeah, like you said, finished third in the Premier League um, as a club. That's where we expect to be. We expect to be in the Champions League, but obviously the last few years have been tough and um, at the start of the season, probably majority of people didn't expect us to, to be in the top four come the end of the season. We always had great faith in ourselves. At the start of the season, we were far too inconsistent. Um, 
dropping silly points. Performances wasn't good enough in parts of the games and we get punished. Um, we've been a lot better of late, like you've said, and to come from a unpromising position shows the great character that we've got in this group. Ollie, congratulations. You've always said that Manchester United belong in the Champions League, but what sort of achievement is it to finally do it, finish third in the season that you've had? I think the boys have uh, done a great achievement. I think, you know, where we were earlier on in the season to uh, to end up third is fantastic by them. They've uh, taken on board so many things, uh, had uh, our ups and downs, and uh, it's, uh, of course, come down to the last last game, and I've got to say it's, uh, it's a wonderful achievement by everyone. What are your thoughts on the game itself that achieved it? Not a classic. It's, it's one of them. Does it matter? No, not really. But then again, we want to we want to learn to win games like this, uh, games that we uh, need a result in. You know, it's it's been like a mini tournament this uh, restart, and it looks it as well. We've uh, uh, we're a bit tired, leggy. Uh, I think everyone can see that we're not the same as we've been early on. But then again, we've had to go for it. We've had to catch so many points and so many goals. So, uh, and they've they've done it. Mason, congratulations! You've achieved the top four finish that you were after. Sum up your feelings. Yeah, it's um, something that we wanted the whole season. It's been a massive goal of ours. Um, as I said before, it's been it's been up and down this whole season, um, but we've stayed very strong mentally. Um, wanted to keep winning games, um, and we knew it was going to come down very close to the last game. Um, and all three of us that are in and around it were very close on points. It, can be nerve-wracking going into a game like this where you know how much means, uh, how much is on it and how much it means to everyone. Um, but we pulled out today and, and we showed that we have that um, that we can win games. What did you think you got right today in terms of the performance? I think today was, was mostly about mentality, coming into the game, um, starting sharp um, and just, just fighting uh, to get into the top four. That's, that's kind of what we've been about the whole season, just keep fighting um, and we showed that throughout the whole game. Um, obviously, the two goals before half-time really helped us out going into the second half, giving us that little bit more confidence, but yeah, it, it's a very, uh, very good feeling now. The first goal was key. Now, tell us what was going through your mind as you were lining that free kick up. Um, just trying to get it on target. Um, I've been pretty consistent with free kicks this season. Not one's come off for me. Um, but yeah, it was about time one went in. Um, and, and obviously it got a bit um, of fortune. It went over the wall and, and I got it in the right position. So very happy to score the free kick. Um, and then obviously Oli getting his goal before half time as well. So it's back to the KP in our three-man booth today. Graham Lasso, Lee Dixon and Arlo White. That is it, gentlemen. The 2019-2020 season finally comes to an end. Your mm. final thoughts, if you would. Well... 352 days, I think, since we were gathered at Anfield for Liverpool against Norwich City. It's been long, it's been interrupted, of course. But how impressive, Graham, is it that Manchester United and their restart, six wins and three draws, 21 points out of 27, and the front four mm. scored 20 of their 21 goals. Yeah. Deserved in the end, and they finished third. Oh, certainly. Unbeaten in, in the last 14 as well. So I think when you look at the the the, the form that they showed and... I think their identity really started to shape in, this, in these last couple of months. We spoke a lot about Bruno Fernandes, didn't we, Lee, about his importance in being a catalyst, I think, for improving the standards throughout the whole team. And everybody benefits from that. I think the front four are really creative as well. Mason Greenwood, Rashford and Martial, they've really worked together with the goals that they've uh, put in. So they thoroughly deserve to finish 
third. But I think mm. that sort of typifies almost the, the league because, you know, Leicester being in the position they were in for so long and then just dropping out at the last moment. And just I, I just think it's been a fantastic story for, for many clubs as, as the season's come to an end. Can Manchester United build on this and mount a title challenge next season, Lee? Um, I think they're quite a bit short of a cha title challenge. I think it depends what happens in the summer with the transfer um, the transfer market, uh, when the window opens, etc. But I think Manchester City and Liverpool are the ones to catch. I think Chelsea's had a brilliant season. Frank Lampard's done an amazing job there. So I think Arsenal have to improve. Tottenham are up there with the likes of Wolves, etc. It's been a brilliant season. Mm. I, think, I think the top two, as they are, have got some uh, catching. Yeah. Well, it'll take some catching. But there's people now and these these teams circling around getting ready to pound so yeah. it's going to be a brilliant season already well Leicester I don't think Rebecca can have any complaints in the last 22 games they won six of them they lost 10 so that's mid-table relegation form so Leicester will play Europa League football next season as I mentioned it's been a long season project restart I think has been a resounding success and we look forward to talking to everybody again September the 12th onwards stay safe everybody and uh, we'll talk to you soon just seven weeks away. It'll be here before you know it. Our thanks, as always, to Arlo White, Graham Lasso, and Lee Dixon. Robbie Earl, mm. for whom has it been a bigger achievement to finish top four? Chelsea or Manchester United, and why? Chelsea for me, Rebecca, because at day one, we were at Old Trafford, and Frank Lampard having his first game in charge of a Premier League team, we didn't know what he was like as a manager. We saw him at Derby in the Championship, yeah. We didn't know a lot about his team. Mason Mount was somebody we're not sure of. Tammy Abraham was starting the game. Can he, could he be a, a Premier League centre-forward? There's so many questions about the, this group. And, and I have to remember back then, in talking to people in the press room and people around the club, it was almost a free hit for, for Frank. Like, if he can finish top six and, and, and get some players through, that would be good. To finish top four, to be in an FA Cup final, to still be in the Champions League, although it, they've got a tough team uh, to play against... It's been, I think, an excellent start for, for Chelsea and Frank is, is his career as a Chelsea manager. For Manchester United, it's been a very strange season because we sat in these very seats the first half of this campaign, Robbie, and there were a number of conversations about whether Ole Gunnar Solskjaer could, should keep his job. Mm. They finished third. Yeah, really impressive. And, you know, in the break, coming out of the break, I think you asked me what was I most looking forward to seeing. Well, it was a, a little mini-league of a new-look Manchester United from the break. And the break certainly helped the club get really important players back playing. Marcus Rashford and Paul Pogba. We know all about Bruno Fernandes and the impact that he's had. But just seeing this young quick, dynamic team, particularly the first few weeks of coming out of the lockdown, was so exciting to watch. And fair play to the manager, because you know, there's lots of moving parts and lots of criticisms and, and lots of doubts about him, but this, this team's got so many star players that when they're on the field of play together, they, they become better and they make each other better with Bruno Fernandes linking it all together. So they've done it. I didn't think they were going to do it, but Bruno Fernandes was the signing that's mm. made it happen. Well, let's begin, shall we, with how the champions got on at St James's Park. Liverpool getting the final guard of honour of their season. They won the title, it feels like, forever ago, Robbie Earl. Mm. And they won a goal down early on. Yeah, they did. Maybe those celebrations after this trophy lift went a, a little bit long into the night. Didn't particularly start the game well. Foul there but by Van Dijk. And what Newcastle do quickly through John Joe Shelby is play it forward. Dwight Gales in, takes a touch, pokes it past the goalkeeper and puts Newcastle 1-0 up. But... As champions, they'll continue to come back into the game. Lovely run by Oxley Chamberlain. And just 
clips this ball in the air and a towering header from Van Dijk makes up for his mistake at the other end. Watch how the big centre-back just gets up, directs the ball in the direction that it's come from and gets good power to loop it past the goalkeeper. Liverpool are back level. Into the second half, we get the second goal. Dibok Origi with a rare start. Just comes inside on his right foot, has a slight look at goal and sends to bend one with his right foot. It's a really smart strike. And that takes them to 99 points, just one short of becoming the a centurion. They had a number of top-flight titles that they could have broken. The one they did was the earliest title clinch with seven matches remaining. Other than that, they tied for most wins and they tied for most points at home. Here is Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen, with that win today, you finish on 99 points, so officially the greatest ever season Liverpool have had. How much extra satisfaction do you take from that? <laughs> It's an incredible number. I don't have that for me. It doesn't have to be the, the, the greatest ever season for Liverpool because I think I'm pretty sure in, in, in different circumstances, other seasons would have, yeah, were similar great. Um, but for us, it was for today the max maximum achievement, and the boys did it. And I saw it in each second, not in the first after 28 maybe, but from then on, I saw it um, on the pitch that we were really fighting for this for this special number. And I loved it. Um, the boys played again an incredible game. Not a perfect game, but an incredible game. Because, like you say, in this country, dead rubber, one nil down. That's normal that human beings could then, like, okay, oh, it's not our day, obviously, so let it go. But we didn't for, for, for a minute. So the reaction I liked, really. But because, of we, because we made a lot of changes, um, we had then the problem that, obviously, we needed to get used to different things in the game. And you play against a well-organized wall, which is the biggest challenge in football. So uh, always in your mind, having in your mind that they, the counter-attacking threat is, is, pretty, is pretty big. So the boys step, came in the game, settled in the game, minute by minute, better and better, and I liked it a lot. And then we turned it. We turned it and, and, and won the game, and I think everybody who saw the game thought it was more than deserved. And then there he came. Off he went. That was it for Manchester City and David Silver in the Premier League. As he says his goodbyes and a hug for the manager, an emotional-looking David Silver. And De Bruyne finishing it off, 5-0. I mean, yeah, I'll hit this one first time. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just so easy for him that with that natural technique that he's got, 5-0. And, and maybe a slightly emotional David Silver here, Rebecca, coming down the stairs. Indeed. Let's have a little reminder, shall we, of David Silver's career at Man City. 60 goals, 93 assists across 309 Premier League appearances, which is the most in club history in the Premier League and the most assists in club history in the Premier League. Sixth most in Premier League history. 11 major trophies, four Premier League titles, contract expiring at the end of the season. Perhaps he might even go out with a Champions League trophy. You never know. Let's hear from David Silver after we've heard from his manager. There was an emotional send-off for David Silva yeah. amongst the players and the coaching staff. How do you sum up his career here? I think, unfortunately, without the crowd, but uh, he's coming back. But I think he felt uh, how important uh, he was for us in this period together, but especially in these 10 years. And for the players on the pitch, off the pitch, staff and everyone. So, yeah, hopefully he can come back one day uh, next season or when we'll be open and, and he can get... Uh, you know, the, the final day for, for him. David, you were made captain today. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, of course. Uh, I have enjoyed the, the, the 10 year and it, this one was the, the last one in the Premier League. But now we have to be focused on the Champions League as well. You got an emotional send-off from your teammates and even the coaching staff at the end. Was that quite emotional for you personally? Yeah, emotional because I've been working with them 10 years. No? 
and the, the, I love all of them. So we have a good relationship. Uh, you know, I want to miss, I want to miss all of them. Are you proud of your Premier League career and what you've achieved? Yeah, of course. I'm very proud. I couldn't imagine when I come here, no, to win so many titles and, and the way we, we we won it. And are there so many moments that stay with you as well? Yeah, a lot. And a lucky guy. I have, a, I have had a lot of nice moments, and this one as well, the last one. Robbie Earl, David mm. Silva, let's just imagine somebody's turned on the television today for the first time and yeah. seen him. What have they missed the last 10 years? The Premier League has generally been built in when we were playing speed, power, physicality. This guy is none of those things in some respects. He's a football artist. He, he, he can do things with that left foot, Rebecca, that people like me can only think about. He makes his teammates better. He, he brings success to, to others. He's been a pillar of this football club. And... Pep Guardiola said something about him that I thought was really important. He said he'll have the ball in any situation on a pitch. He'll help people out. He's mentally strongest player he's ever worked with. Your tribute, mm. Robbie? Yeah, I mean, of course, I think the technicality is pretty obvious. But the mental toughness you just mm. mentioned there, and also that he's got fire in his belly. You don't get to be as consistently good and win as much stuff if, if you're just skillful. There's more than that. And maybe the biggest compliment is actually by his manager in a, in a press conference I saw where he said that David Silva and Andres Iniesta are the best type of technical midfield players he's ever seen. And he's coached some great teams. That's how good David Silva is and what a career he's yeah. had and winning so many uh, great trophies in the style that he did it. Now let's hear from a couple of managers with no doubt contrasting emotions. Leicester City boss Brendan Rodgers, but first Chelsea's Frank Lampard. Fourth in your first season as Chelsea manager. That must mean so much. It, mean, it means a great deal. It means a great deal and... Uh, I suppose at Chelsea we have to be careful getting too excited with top four finishes, but you know, coming into the job, I don't think a lot of people put us in that bracket um, and we know where we're at and it's a progress and can we get better? Can we, now we've secured top four, can we look at how we can improve and try and close that gap? Because the gap is there for a reason. It's there because Liverpool and Manchester City have taken it to different levels. Um, but what we've done this year, I think, is shown that we've uh, bringing in some of the younger players and, and giving them the opportunity to play, uh, trying to work with and help and improve players that are already here, already very good players playing for Chelsea. And, and I think we've done well. We always want more, but to, to now reflect on the league itself and think that we're coming in the top four when it's so competitive around there is, uh, is something that we can be pretty happy with and now we have to, to work to look forward. I thought we were, we were excellent in the game. Of course, you got they've what they consider probably to be the best team out, Jeff. And, um, and I thought we were threatened the first half, you know, breaking through their their lines and with a bit more quality we could have found the last pass and, and maybe got in front I thought we started the second half really really well and like like I said before the game the plan was just to get to that last drinks break and then we know where we're at unfortunately we make a mistake and then uh, and they get the the goal from the penalty and then it's, it's difficult for us then we, we make changes to to go all in to try and uh, get something from it and uh, it just wasn't to be for us but um, like I said, we deserve um, to finish with. You know, this is a, a team that has made so many strides. I mean, it wasn't a great, it wasn't a great game. To be in the position we're in, and even challenging Manchester United for this Champions League, it really demonstrates how well they've done. And us, we're not strong enough to, to be without the players that we haven't got available, Jeff. But I can only tip my hat to the players. They give absolutely everything today. Um, it just wasn't to be. And uh, like I say, we'll come back you know, mentally and, and, and better and stronger next year. As you said, this has been an excellent season by Leicester standards. But is it hard to feel that right now, 
because for so long you were in Champions League yeah, places. Yeah, absolutely. But I've always said, and I've said to the, the players and everyone and media and press all the way along, you don't arrive in the Champions League after 20 games, 25 games. You know, we had uh, an outstanding start to the season, that first part of the season, and second half we were too inconsistent. So next year we have to have a better ambition, you know, more consistency in our game, and then you have the chance to, to challenge. But uh, but like I say, they've the huge credit. There's disappointment, of course, but I'm gratified by uh, everything that they've given. And uh, and like I say, they'll uh, they'll hurt now, but um, but they'll come back in a few weeks' time and be ready to go again. So the London derby at Palace between them and Tottenham. Tottenham needed a better Wolves' result. Wolves lost at Chelsea, so a draw was OK, Robbie Earl. Yeah, and Harry Kane are back. It's been an injury-ravaged season, but he's still got 18 Premier League goals, as ever. Just does a good job of, when he gets it from Lo Celso here, shifts it onto his right foot, takes a shot early, beats a goalkeeper, puts Spurs 1-0 up. But into the second half from a set-piece, Jose Marino won't like this. Jordan Ayew has a first chance... Here, number nine, he misses the ball, but Schluck doesn't, and plenty of white shirts are there. But nobody's really closing the ball down with serious intent, and Palace get themselves back level. Expecting a little bit of reaction from Spurs, and on the hour, Lucas Moore is going to come in on the far post as the ball gets delivered. Ben Davies on this left-hand side, and Moore makes a good run, doesn't quite get the contact he'd like. But in the end, the point was enough for Spurs to get in the Europa League. And don't be surprised if Jose goes and wins that with Spurs. Mm, good point. And Jose Mourinho has been reminding us for, like I'd say, a couple of weeks about how good Tottenham have been since he arrived. And this is actually the Premier League table since the day he arrived, November the 23rd. Look at that. They would be fourth had the season started on that day and they would be clinching Champions League football a point above Southampton, interestingly. Let's hear from the special one. From a coach's perspective, and it's been the same for everybody, but how difficult has it been to achieve anything given the circumstances that have been thrown at you all? Yeah, and today the game was was not an easy, easy one. Um, even when I was going to make a, a change, I felt that was the moment for me to know the result of Wolves. And when I was told that we're losing to... 2-0, I changed my mind. Uh, I, I, I had a decision of a very offensive change to go for the, for the victory with the risks. And then when I, I, I was told 2-0, I changed my mind and I took the game in another uh, direction. It's really hard uh, to play the last match where you play everything in one game. It's difficult to to be promoted, for not to be relegated, to be champion, to get Europa League. It's very, very difficult when you, you have the pressure to play everything in the last game. And I think the boys, they felt it um, a little bit. So in the end, it uh, was great because we could defy, we can go to, to holiday without thinking about uh, what is going to happen in, in the FA Cup uh, final. Now it's for Wolves to be, to be waiting for that. So I think very, very good. And in my personal case, I arrive 14th and I finish 6th. Right, let's refocus on the relegation situation here from a couple of managers who've been relegated today. One experience, one not. Eddie Howe, but first Hayden Mullins. Uh, Hayden, really difficult moment to come out and speak. I appreciate that. But how difficult is this for all concerned with Watford? Yeah, very difficult. You know, we, uh, we knew this was going to be one of the harsh realities of today. Um, we tried to uh, set up a certain way to be positive. Um, I think, you know, going, going a goal down as early as we did, it was always going to be tough after that. 
in a way, playing so well, does that make it worse? Yeah, there was one point, you know, in the second half where I, I did believe we were going to go on and win it, and we had so many chances. I think that's probably as good as as good as we've played, and as many chances as we as we've created this season. But um, like I say, it wasn't to be, um, and it's a, it's a tough one to take. Eddie, with that performance today, could you have asked for anything more from your team? No, today no. Um, we thought we were really good today. We started the game right on the front foot. Very committed performance. Showed a lot of quality, I thought, at different times. Second half, Everton came into the game a little bit more and we withstood their pressure. And I think we showed that when we're on form, we're, we're a very good team today. What are the emotions now? Everything is done and dusted. Yeah, the emotions are just a lot of pain, um, I feel. I'm very emotional. Um, trying to keep it together. Um, feel uh, really sad for the supporters of this club. Um, you know, they haven't been here with us for the last part of the journey and that's made it even harder. That journey that you've been on with this club, you've been through so much, the promotions that you've achieved and what you've done for this fan base now as well. Will you take a moment to reflect on everything that you've achieved? I think it's, it's a time for a reflection. It's a time to, to see um, what the next step is. Um, the club, yeah, everything was based around trying to stay in the Premier League and trying to build the club from the inside upwards. Um, yeah, I'll have a chat with the... Um, the people that I need to speak to and, and see what we do next. When you look back at the season and, and why it's come to this moment, can you identify those, those points, why this has happened? Yeah, when you look at the small margins between staying in the division, I mean, it's, it's so, so fine um, that there's been loads. I've always said it's ne never one thing why you don't achieve success, why you don't achieve your aims. It's, it's always a combination of factors. As, as the manager, I always have to take the ultimate responsibility for that because I'm in, in charge and I make hundreds of decisions that um, affect uh, everything uh, so I haven't been good enough this season um, but there are, there's a lot of reasons I don't ever think there's one thing You've had to contend with, with injuries as well along the way the players that you have had have you always felt you've had 100% commitment from all of those players? Yeah I do I think in the main I think that throughout the season there's always ups and downs and ebbs and flows and you don't always have things as you want them um, but I'm not going to sit here and start criticising the players in any way um, that, that's, that's not right I have to back them and support them and uh, first I have to look at myself and that's what I'll do and When you do look at yourself and if it is your choice, is your commitment still with this club, would you like to bring them back up? My commitment has been the, the one thing I can't question within myself is my commitment to the, to the job um, to what I've tried to give this year it's not been through a lack of a lack of effort um, now it's just, a, yeah, as I said earlier, it's, it's a time for reflection and I'll speak to the people we, uh, I need to speak to and see what we do. Well, we have understandably never seen Eddie Howe quite as emotional yeah. as that, Robbie Mosto. Mm. What do you see for Eddie Howe's future? I hope he stays. I hope he's got the, uh, when he has a little break, he has the mentality that he can go again and, and try and rebuild a little bit. It's going to be incredibly difficult. Um, when I look at the season for them, I think what we, we've enjoyed with Bournemouth is, is the way that they approach the game and his philosophy of open and attacking football. They're 16 goals down from what they did last season. So Callum Wilson, Josh King, nowhere near their numbers. Mm -hmm. And when you play the same way and your attacking isn't so productive then you ain't going to win as many games, and that's been the issue for them. They've had injuries to key players as well, but I just think the attacking guys, Wilson, Josh King, David Brooks has been injured, of course, that's been the main problem for Eddie this season. I mean, the thing you, you see, Rebecca, he takes it personally. It's, it, it's, he will do whatever he thinks is best for the football club. Where I'd be a little bit critical is, 
his philosophy of playing this great football, when that needed adjusting, when players were low confidence, when they were nervous, when they weren't playing well, there was a run of games, change it a bit, Eddie. Go a little bit longer. They were making mistakes at the back, were causing them problems. I get the sense there might be a mutual decision made where the two go different ways, Eddie Howe and the football club. I just think he might feel some new energy, some new blood might take it on again. Time to look back on Project Restart. And to do that, we go all the way back to the beginning. The Premier League season was suspended due to the COVID-19 pandemic on March the 13th. Now, clubs did make their way back to training, socially distanced at first, and then contact training. And on the 28th of May, a restart date was agreed. And the date was June the 17th. Both the UK government and the Premier League deemed that football was ready to resume at that time, just over three months from the initial suspension. Because of the health crisis, testing was carried out regularly. Just 20 of more than 20,000 tests came back positive. And, of course, everything coincided with another global issue. The Black Lives Matter movement has been prevalent ever since football returned. The games themselves looked a bit different. Most notably, of course, the stadiums around the country were empty. Other new protocols were put in place as well. Teams were allowed five substitutions and water breaks were taken midway through each half. And despite the challenges, the Premier League did find a way to get all 92 matches played over a span of just 40 days. And, gentlemen, it has been... A ride? A rather exhausting one. How do you assess the success of Project Restart? Well, I have to be honest, Rebecca. When we were, there was talk about it coming back and we were having meetings and talking about it, I wasn't really ready, I've got to be honest. I felt as though, how could we be talking about football and thousands of people all over the world, this side of the pond, the other, like in the UK, were, were losing their lives. Um, so I was a little bit apprehensive, but the Premier League have done a magnificent job in terms of protocol, procedure, safety... And we've now come to the end of Project Restart, which has to be seen as a big success. You get the sense the Premier League themselves as well, taking a giant exhalation mm. of relief that they managed to get it done. I think fantastic. I mean, really, really good. I'm, I, I thought it was the right time to come back. They can mm. take the lead from the Bundesliga, mm. but to get 20 clubs to agree on all the little details, remember at the time the players weren't happy, some of the clubs mm. weren't happy, the neutral venue issue that, that I'm so pleased got, got figured out where all the teams can play at their own stadiums, to the trophy lift, the Liverpool thought they did a great job of that, and the safety. It was all about the safety, Rebecca, and about the testing, and the last test, zero infected um, players and officials of the football club. So, Great clean environment, very well done the Premier League. Mm. The Black Lives Matter movement, yeah. every game bar none, the mm. players, referees, match officials, yeah. management took a knee at kick-off. Yeah. How do you feel? And we've had plenty of these conversations mm. over the past few weeks, Robbie. How do you feel that's taken the movement forward? That football has taken a, a big step, Rebecca. I'm talking about the Premier League, the league first, you know, the Black Lives Matter on everybody's back instead of numbers, taking the knee, amplifying the situation. Players, I, I, fortunately I spoke to John Dre Yedlin, I spoke to Ryan Sterling, used their position, their platform to, to push the agenda, to start conversations. Football played a really big part during, during the lockdown where it, was, it became part of the community, it became something safe. It was more than just a sports arena, a place to go and watch football. It became something that actually I felt was, was very important to people out there, that there were hospitals, they were putting food on, they were making sure people were right, were very big part of the community, but from the social issue point of view, football took a big step and I think has started the conversations that are going on now. VAR, what would you fix? 
Um, well, I think the referees need to go to the monitors more. I think we've definitely seen the VAR is reluctant to correct their colleagues. We've seen that. Let the referees themselves correct themselves. That's got to be the way to go. I've got to say, the consistency in the subjective decisions has disappointed me. Uh, and that's not the system, that's not VR, it's, it's the referees that are looking at those screens, Rebecca, to a point where we're, we're looking at games mm. and we're not really sure what they're going to give. So that, that's, are the laws that's helping on that one, Bob? The, is the way the laws are written helping VR? I, I almost think it's making it worse. I mean, the handball, we still don't quite know, is this the hand, is this the arm, remember the Sacco mm. goal? Mm. The, the way the, the laws are written is yeah. actually making it yeah. hard for VAR to do its job. And, and I think the, the assisting with your hand, I think that will get changed... In, this, in the summer, uh, and the offside's not ideal, but at least it stopped the really bad errors. And a look at the final top ten Liverpool champions, City runners-up. Man United and Chelsea make that top four. Then it's a four-point gap in the end to Leicester in the Europa League qualifying position. Tottenham in sixth, Wolves in seventh, Arsenal up to eighth now. That's where they finish, though it's a worse finish since 1995 for the Gunners. Sheffield United finishing down in ninth, but they'll be happy. And Burnley nicely in tenth as well. So welcome back inside our Goal Zone studio. Rebecca Lowe, Robbie Earl, <laughs> Robbie Musto on Championship Sunday duty. We are going to whip around every single club top to bottom so of course we start with the Premier League champions and a quick reminder of their accomplishments over the last year or so 44 match Premier League unbeaten run the 18 straight Premier League win streak unbeaten at home now chaps for a third straight Premier League season they won their first Premier League title and they set a new top flight record for the earliest title clinch with seven matches remaining so mm. Robbie Earl let's yeah. first of all talk about their captain Jordan Henderson yeah. football writers award winner player of the year yeah. Do you see a PFA Player of the Year award in his future? Very possibly. Big teams are back in the past. We'd look at Vincent Company, we'd look at John Terry and say are iconic captains. I don't think we put Jordan Henderson in that same category, but quietly in a very different way he does his job. I remember a few weeks ago during Project Restart, Liverpool were drawing 0-0 with 70 minutes with Aston Villa and on came Jordan Henderson into the sub. And let me tell you what happened. Five or ten percent more came out of all the players. So that tells me instantly that he gets a reaction. He's got the respect of his teammates. He's been an outstanding captain. 99 points. The stats mm -hmm. tell you it's the greatest ever league season for yeah. Liverpool. How on earth do they go better next season? So interesting. Jurgen Klopp talked about them being hungry again. They were ravenous this season. They, they've had two seasons, 97 points last, last time, 99 this year. They broke Manchester City, absolutely broke a great team. Can they go again? Well, the Champions League inspired them this season. I think the Premier League can inspire them to go again. Now, what would I want? I'd want maybe a midfield player who can find a pass, who can do it differently. And I'd want a, a different player up front who gives me something, maybe if the front three aren't all firing. I think you get those two bits and pff, everything else looks good. Well, last season was a two-horse race. This season's really been a one-horse race because Manchester City left in the dust in second spot. A quick reminder of their season, finishing second, 18 points behind Liverpool. Nine Premier League losses, Guardiola's most in his managerial career ever. They did win the League Cup. They are in the round of 16 and leading Real Madrid 2-1 uh, on aggregate. The second leg played on August the 7th to try and get a place in the quarterfinals. And that ban, that two-year ban, Robbie Musto, overturned by the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which mm. means they can play Champions League football next season. But what is the importance of the Champions League right now as they try to get that quarterfinal spot for Pep Guardiola? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's what they really want. Uh, Real Madrid is going to be a very tough opponent. It's a long time since that first leg, so that's going to be difficult. And, it's, of course, it's what they want. You know, when you look at their season, Rebecca... 
You look at the numbers, actually, they got a lot more, scored a lot more goals than Liverpool, and defensively, you know, not that many more conceded. It's just in the key moments where there are too many days off. And, I, and we've talked many times this season about why City, in my opinion, weren't going to win it this year, and it was defensively. And if you look back at, at Pep's teams, he's always had an outstanding defender. Vincent Company was that guy. The, the, the guy that, that last-ditch challenges and pulls things together. Carlos Puyol was the same guy at Barcelona. And I feel without Company, and Laporte's great, but he isn't that special defender. And John Stone's not playing, Eric Garcia playing, Otamendi not playing recently. There's a, there's a big priority for a new centre-back of that football club, which could make them so much better next season with the, the, the motivation to win the Premier League again. They're going to have a better season next year, I think. Well, they certainly have the motivation, as you say, pipped to the post by Liverpool this season. Mm. And we'll wait to see whether or not they can advance in the one they really want, that mm. Champions League trophy. Well, in at third in the Premier League, Manchester United, I mentioned him earlier on, yeah. Robbie L, the mm. Bruno Fernandes impact. Look at this. Since he came in, since he made his debut... Yeah. Eight goals, 44 shots, 18 on target, seven assists, created 30 Six. chances. And he made his debut only on February the 1st. Yeah. And if you look at their season, Manchester United, my goodness, it's completely yeah. before Bruno yeah. and after Bruno. And Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has to take a lot of credit, though. Absolutely. It's been a magnificent signing. He's ignited the football club. He's given it hope. He's made good players better. I think he's one of the big reasons Paul Pogba is back on side. Looks like he wants to be part of it. And this, Rebecca, for me, what Oli has built is the best version of Manchester United since Sir Alex Ferguson. Now, haven't done anything yet. Yes, they finished third. There's more to come and more to do. But when you think of Martial, Rashford and Greenwood and Fernandes in the hole and Pogba and maybe one or two other bits come in, if they can start to get their defence right... I'm telling you, they're not ready to win a title yet, but you know what? They could go close. Let's talk about that front line because mm. you feel like he stumbled across it, or maybe I'm being harsh, a little yeah. bit later on in the season. Yeah. But that now looks like an absolute title-winning front line, Greenwood, Martial and Rashford. They haven't got the, the, the work done yet, but there's a potential to be Mane, Salah and Firmino-esque in the goals. All three of these will score probably more goals than the Firmino type, but they've got to deliver the numbers. They've got to do it regularly. They've got to continue to play well. We saw towards Project restore a little dip in, in one or two but Anthony Martial's been the one I've been really impressed with he's gone to another level Rebecca he looks like he's enjoying being Manchester United's number nine we haven't talked about it for ages I've got to ask you Paul Pogba's contract runs out next season what's going to happen he's in he, he, he's signing in again. Gang. He's in, Rebecca. I, I just I always say to Robbie Musto, I want to sit him down, look in his eyes, <laughs> oh, well. and tell me. The, I've looked in his eyes. <laughs> they're red. He wants to be with us. Brilliant stuff. OK, so Manchester United finishing in third. Chelsea, in the end, get that final Champions League spot, finishing fourth in their first season under head coach Frank Lampard, only his second season in management overall. They served that transfer ban. They couldn't spend any money. 48% of their Premier League goals this season scored by players currently 22 or younger. That's been the story of their season and of course they're in the FA Cup final as well against Arsenal so what a success it has been mm. FA Cup final fourth spot no money spent all the youngsters coming through well done Frank Lampard brilliant brilliant season really was and I, I just doubted whether he could get this team in the top four uh, and the minutes that the young players have had is going to benefit this football club so much going forward and maybe do better things going forward when you look at the signings that, that's coming into the football club Ziyech and Werner maybe Kai Havertz who's a brilliant goal-scoring attacking midfield player to come in as well uh, could, things could be exciting it's just defensively Rebecca that 
that has to be the priority now. With new signings in the, in the window that's going to open up tomorrow, I think, um, that's got to be some, some area that they get improvement on. Now, we talked about before the game today, he dropped Kepa and he left him on the bench and Caballero started. And we talked about the ruthlessness of Frank Lampard. Is that an element of his management style that you've been impressed by? Totally. Totally. Throughout the side. Every position in the team, he's made tough calls. And if that player plays and he plays well, he stays in the side. No favouritism, no kind of preferring players with experience or younger players. That's what's been impressive to every player. Christian Pulisic being a great example where initially he played, then he doesn't play, then he, then he plays again. And, and his, his management of all the young players and the time in and out of the side has been excellent. We'll talk Pulisic in a second, but Kepa, you said before the game you think he's done it. At- well, I, Robbie said it, but I agree. agree. I mean, what a statement. I mean, what a time to drop your goalkeeper. And if that says anything, it says, I don't really fancy you. They've got, they got Bundesliga, they, sorry, they've got uh, Bayern Munich in the Champions League, which they're probably going to go out. And it could be, that could be it for Kepa at Chelsea. Well, you mentioned Pulisic, and he has been in and out this season because of injuries and form. But my goodness, since Project Restart, mm. what an impact he's had, Rob. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And these runs into the box... I almost guarantee that, that Lampard said, you've got to get yourself in there. Modern-day attacking players are inside the box to do things. It's just these moments that's so important for this young player to prove to his teammates and his fans and, and his manager that he can do special moments. And special moments, whether it's curating... Uh, uh, getting penalties awarded. This is incredible amount of skill and ability and the final ball's been great. That's been really encouraging. He will get better and better. But I tell you what, the, the final piece now for a young player is to do this consistent, consistently. And that is the hardest part about being, a, a, being an attacking player and being at a big club is to be consistent with, this, with these great moments. Well, a quick look at his stats since the restart. Four goals, two assists, six straight Premier League starts the end of June into mid-July and drew a couple of penalties as well that William converted. He's had the injuries and you get the sense that he just doesn't want this season to end because mm-hmm. now he's in that consistency that you just talked about. Yeah. So how does he maintain that through the seven-week break? I mean, I know they have the Champions League, but on the whole, mm-hmm. through the Premier League seven-week break? Well, he will take a few weeks off to do probably nothing, but he's got to come back as hungry and as strong as what he's did for the restart because that's credit to him. Credit to the manager as well, Rebecca, for developing and maybe working with Pulisic in those, that period of time to get stronger. Um, he's come back super quick and sharp. That's been the difference maker. And I said it a few times where he still, believe it or not, got the surprise element. So some defenders have been surprised with his sharpness and his quickness and his finishing as well, which has been great. He's just got to make sure he comes back as hungry uh, to, to start again very strongly and quickly. Just very quickly, is he unique in the Premier League? Is there any other players like him? Probably not in that final third. I mean, I guess you look at Mo Salah as the consistent player that's got that quick feet and the creativity and the goals. His numbers are really good. And that's, but again, I'll say it again. If he can turn those numbers into regular numbers and get big numbers of goals, 15 plus, mm. plus big assists, then he's going to have a brilliant career in the Premier League. Yeah, that would be a game-changer. Right, Leicester City finished outside the top four, disappointingly for them, considering they were in it for so long because of their first 17 games. 12 yeah. wins, yeah. 39 points, sitting in second at that point. But the last 21, Robbie, six wins, yeah. 23 points, and they finish in fifth spot. The most season of two halves I yeah. think we've seen in a long time. Who's going to take that blame? The manager will ultimately take the blame because he'll took the praise when, when they started Rebecca. Listen, they, 
Wouldn't have been expected to be top four when a ball was kicked. A disappointed that they're not. That tells you something. I think I've said it before a couple of times that there's, there's a number of players there, Rebecca, who've not had a 38-game season. And Robbie will tell you, sometimes after a game on a Saturday, you don't feel healthy again till the Friday and you've got another game. It takes you four or five days to get through that, to, to find a way, to understand your body. They've got some players who have not been through that yet, and I think they tailed off because the intensity, the workload and the power of the Premier League took its toll. With a few good additions, with that experience and with that manager, I still think there's a bright future for Leicester. But tough Thursday nights in the Europa League. Thursday night and no date nights for your wife, I'm afraid. You've no. got to do Thursday night football. That's what Robbie L says. Thursday nights, apparently, date night, go for a pizza with your wife. That's what he said pre-game today. Right, Tottenham. Tottenham picked Wolves and they finished in sixth position. What a season it's been for them. Um, last season, of course, they finished in the Champions League final, losing to Liverpool. They spent a lot of money in the summer. Then they fired Pochettino in November. They were sitting in 14th, as Jose kindly reminded us earlier on today. Eight wins in his first 14 matches, but then a seven-match winless run in all competitions heading into Project Restart, but a decent restart. One loss in their last eight, finishing in sixth position. So, Robbie Earl's talking Tottenham, aren't you, Robbie? Yeah, I'm um, talking Tottenham, yeah. How do they get back? I mean, if you look at the table since Mourinho yeah. arrived, yeah. they're top four. Mm, yeah. So is that simply enough for you to convince you that mm. next season, with him from the beginning, they're back in the Champions League places? Well, what I'm saying with, with, with uh, Jose, and you're right, give me, 12, give me 12 months and I can make a much more detailed um, conclusion of, of where they are. He'll have his transfer window. They've worked with the players. The team will understand what Jose wants in terms of team defending and then counter-attacking. It's almost like, and I, and, I, and I could say this almost feels like it's, it's a new marriage. It's just come together. By this time next year, they'll either have the first child, which will be a cup competition, which they've wanted, and they'll want many more in the family, or else there'll be a divorce. Oh. It'll go one way or the other with this guy, because that's how he works. I think he'll get success. There's enough in that group, Rebecca. Harry Kane's back scoring goals. Deli Ali will have a rest and come back again. Do you see all those elements? And with a few of his signings defensively, I think he can bring success. He'll bring silverware to, to Tottenham, I can tell you. And in a word, Kane stays? Kane stays, yeah. Looks happier. The end of this, the season was good for him. Got a few goals, be happier with what they want. And Jose will tell you the stats are there. Centre forwards with him, score goals. Wolves finished seventh last season. They finished seventh again this season. A reminder of their season, which has been mightily long. It started a year ago yesterday, the beginning of the Europa League in the qualifying stage. Winners in their first six games actually were in the bottom three. But they finished seventh with 59 points, the most points in their history in the Premier League. They picked up 21 points from losing positions, which tells you about their character. Big contributions. Raul Jimenez, 17 Premier League goals. Adama Traore, nine Premier League assists. So the Nuno Espirito Santo effect, mm. Robbie, every season there seems to be growth and progress, yeah. doesn't mm. there? Why? How? Well, he's got continuity like no other. I mean, the same system. But when we spoke to him, when he was going to come into the Premier League, it's been the same thing, mostly the same players. Recruitment at this club has, has been the key. That and a, and a brilliant manager Nuna, but some of the players they've brought in and what they've done has been fantastic and, and we talked about the improvement of certain players Adama Traore's numbers are miles better this season the system when you watch them play is so grooved you, you know, with the width and the wing backs and the midfield players and, and Jimenez playing so well up front, the young Portuguese wide players that have chipped in with goals of all the managers that, that I feel could absolutely take any job in this division it's Nuno Espirito Santo I've been that impressed with his mentality the way he carries himself in interviews not always the most 
flamboyant, mm. but I kind of like that from my manager. So he's done a magnificent job, and the improvement of this club continues. Well, they've had a very settled season, have Wolves, unlike the Arsenal, who finished in eighth position. But do you remember all the way back at the beginning of the season, they were under Unai Emery. After spending a lot of money in the summer, they fired Emery at the end of November. It was their worst ever Premier League start. And then in came, on December the 20th, Mikel Arteta, after Freddie Jumberg had the team on an interim basis. It's their worst league finish since 1994-95, but they are in an FA Cup final. And on the whole, Robbie, is your sense one of positivity and optimism under Mikel Arteta? Yes, it really is. It really is. Now, to take it further the ownership and to be fair they've spent some big numbers recently the ownership they've got to invest again it's just what the club needs right manager difficult moment in time encouraging signs and where i see arsenal right now it it, it has to be one of the biggest surprises rob when you think about where they are now their league position finishing eighth in the premier league i had them way up in my pre-season uh, predictions but the way it's dropped off has been shocking to me but but he's done a really good job bringing people in tough decisions with Ozil now looks like there's no future for him Genduzi with the discipline issues that he's been strong with as well David Luiz stays and continues to look great one week not the other mm. but it's about it's about money I'm afraid and recruitment he's shown that, that he's the right man with passion with systems and organization he needs some new players to make the team better. And also probably a new contract for Aubameyang. That would oh, please yeah. Gunners fans yeah. big time as well. His run's out at the end of next season. Sheffield United, what a year. Their first Premier League season for 12 years. Came into the league as 150-1 to one on to be relegated. Finished uh, ninth, 54 points. Five points behind sixth place Tottenham. 39 goals conceded this season. What a brilliant season under Chris Wilder. And Robbie Musto, you're focusing on Sheffield United. Mm. What have they brought, other than the overlapping centre-halves, we've <laughs> talked about that, what have they brought that has led to the success? Mental toughness. That's been the difference, Rebecca. You can say that, you know, they haven't changed a team too much, nor did Norwich, but they brought in a mental toughness to come into this level and be able to, to compete. The strikers they brought in as well helped. They've rotated their strikers throughout the season and they've all chipped in with important goals. But the main part of the team has been the same. And the manager's kind of old-school ways, if you like, has helped them. You know, we've criticised him recently with his big rant against a team that I thought was way over the top recently. But in general, his kind of drive added to the euphoria of promotion that always comes to the new teams coming to, to the league, completed and, and stayed with them all season long. I'll say it right now, next season will be so much harder for this team to be successful. Teams uh, know what they're all about. We'll see what they do in the transfer market, but to, to maintain that excitement and drive and energy is not going to be easy next season. No, and it's a, sum, a subject and a topic that uh, Sean Dyche has to do every season, <laughs> it seems, with Burnley Football Club. He was appointed manager 2012-2013 when they were in the championship, got them up in 2014. They were relegated, then they got back up in 2016 where they've since stayed, qualifying along the way for the Europa League. He did sign a contract extension, but that was a while ago now. It was actually two and a half years ago. And today, after the game, after the defeat against Brighton at Turf Moor, this is what Sean Dyche had to say about his future at Burnley. Is it frustrating, though, to finish like this, considering how, how well you've done recently? No, 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 because you can get drunk on these things. It's a, it's a big challenge, you know, for us to be in the Premier League and everything it offers. Um, so you can get carried away with it. I don't tend to. You know, I know the reality of the Premier League. I know what we have to do to be in the Premier League and to keep building and keep moving forward. So, you know, yes, it's a disappointment on the day, but overall, these lads have been absolutely enormous for this football club. 
how do you build on it then? Is the the scope there to to improve to make? Oh, we'll see about that one. That'll be interesting. <laughs> you had discussions already about that. Oh, lots of them. What, do you plan to, to have further discussions in the, in the coming I days? I would imagine so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Sean Dyche. It's brilliant, Bess. Probably. How do you yeah. see his future? What do you think he should do? Well, it would be important for the club to match his ambition, Rebecca. Maybe give him a little bit of money. We know that isn't the case at Burnley. And he's a testament to hard work, detail and discipline on the training ground. And, and, and I just thought about four players. Ben Mee, James Tarkovsky, Dwight McNeil and Nick Pope. All get better under, under his tutelage, all improve and, and probably could go on to, be, to better things. Other clubs would like him. I would, I'm hearing things like Crystal Palace are, are, are talking, that, that West Ham United, if they were going to make a, t- a team mature, he almost feels like he, he could take what he does to the next stage. And I used to always say, like, he's the ginger Mourinho. I'm now saying, like, Mourinho's the silver-haired dyke. I mean, that's <laughs> like how it. good he's, he's become. He'll keep a team in the league, and he's playing better football now as well. Final look then at the bottom half of the table and how things totally finish, starting there at the top with Southampton in 11th, the first full season under Ralph Hassan Hurtle, Everton in 12th, Newcastle United, uncertain future in terms of a takeover, but they're in 13th and very much safe. Palace in 14th, a poor run to finish the season, but they're happy they're in the Premier League. Brighton and West Ham and Villa stay up by a point from Bournemouth, Watford and Norwich, who all go down. So let's start with 11th place, shall we? Southampton Football Club. Danny Ings, becoming a permanent signing uh, last summer for up to $25 million, looks an absolute snip with 22 Premier League goals this season, tied most in the Premier League, tied second most in the Premier League. That huge defeat against Leicester in October, we remember that, chaps, don't we? And now they've finished 11th, the most points they've had for a season in four years. And Robbie, Ralph Hasenhurtle at the beginning of the season, nobody was too sure. Then that huge defeat against Leicester. Just assess for us how he's managed to get that club back on, onto a track because that was bad. Yeah, and that's difficult to, to kind of assess that because that, to, to recover from that 9-0 you know, must be incredibly difficult. And where they are right now, I mean, they've gone to 52 points from 39. That's some improvement. You know, fighting relegation the last two seasons to a, a place of stability, of encouragement about what they can do going forward. They're going to lose Pierre-Emil Hoiberg as a midfielder I particularly like. It looks like Everton or Spurs for him, for him. But he hasn't been playing in recent weeks. They've done OK. Warprouse has stepped up. But Danny Ings, I mean, it would be very different now if you look at the league table. 22 goals in the Premier League for Danny Ings in a team that's where they are. I mean, he's got to be in the, the conversation for player of the year, mm. given those numbers at this football club. But hasn't hurtle stability now. Mm. Progress has been real. We've seen that. And we've watched them with our own eyes over the last few weeks. And they've been much, much better to watch. Not too stable and not too much progress for Everton this season. A reminder of their sort of news and notes. They fired Marco Silva at the beginning of December. They were in the relegation zone. In came Carlo Ancelotti. What a manager he's been in his career. Five losses in 19 under Ancelotti. They finished in 12th, so bottom half finish. Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison with 13 Premier League goals each. So Everton fans, Robbie Earl, will Mm. want to hear that Carlo Ancelotti, now he's seen everything Mm. and he's going into his first full season, that he can make them better. Can he and how does he? Yeah, he can. He's a top six manager, Rebecca, at the moment with a mid-table squad. He's got to make some tough calls. It might be time for some of the players who've been hanging around. When I look at at this group, we always sort of say, oh, he's an Everton player. You know, not quite top six, but the next group down. Well, what is that? Who is that? I look down the spine of the team and I'm afraid Jordan Pickford, I wasn't going to put him in there, but you see evidence today 
I think the, the manager can sort him out. Centre-back, they need to strengthen. Centre-midfield, buy somebody dominant. Centre-forward, go and find a, a, a 15 to 20 goal centre-forward. Then with Vishalson and Calvert-Lewin being an addition to them, now you're talking a top-six team. But big decisions going to have to be made at that football club. OK, well, you mentioned some of the players that are hanging around. I can tell you that one of them won't be hanging around anymore. Leighton Baines has retired. 18-year career. He started with Wigan, on to Everton for 13 years, and Everton tweeting out today a true Everton great, Leighton Baines, and he has had an excellent career. Let's talk about the Magpies, Newcastle United. It's never stable with Newcastle, <laughs> but to be fair, on the field, they finished yeah. 13th, 10 points clear of the relegation zone, can't really score goals, but it's that bottom line there, linked for the potential takeover by a Saudi Arabia-backed group that has caused all the uncertainty for manager Steve Bruce. We hear that you've been talking to the chairman, Mike Ashley. Should we read anything into no, that? I mean, no, he just wanted to say a thank you to everybody concerned. And um, all the players, all my staff, um, just a big thank you from him for all the hard work and effort and enjoy your summer, basically. So that was it. I know you're wanting a bit more. <laughs> what he did reiterate was that, that you know, that the Premier League, it, it's in the hands of the Premier League and it's yeah. been like that for weeks now. So we need a decision and we need a one quickly. So let's hope this week, how long do we need to make that decision? So let's see. And in terms of your hopes of that, could you put a percentage on it getting all done? I want, fed all up I want, Martin, is what's best for this great club. So um, I'll leave it at that. You know, if, if new owners come in, OK, you know, I'm, I'm, as long as it takes the club forward. And, um, and that's what we all want as Newcastle fans. Well, surely, Robbie, what's mm. best for this great club, as Steve yeah. Bruce calls it, is yeah. to ensure that if the new owners come in, they are the right people to yeah. take over because we have seen, not just in the Premier League, but mm. throughout the pyramid, that if a decision is made too quickly with new ownership, yeah. it can fall foul. So surely I know they're frustrated, but they've got yeah. to make sure it's the right new owners. Absolutely, making sure it's right. But what I would, And I hope that happens, Rebecca, because we sit here and I just think, we don't really see the best in Newcastle. We don't really see what this club could be all mm. about. Well-supported, some decent finance, some decent managing. And fair play to Steve Bruce and his group of players because... They had an excuse to be in a relegation fight this season. They had an excuse to almost go down. And, well, look at the ownership. We didn't know what was going on. But he got them sorted out defensively. They found a way to, to, to get goals. Um, St Maximin's been, been a, good, a good find for them. Almiron now in, in his better position. And, and there's a shaping of a team there. But, you know, come on, sort it out, Newcastle. And let's see the real Newcastle United in the Premier League. Yeah, wouldn't that be nice? I think oh. we've, like you say, waited a rather mm -hmm. long time to see their full potential. Well, Newcastle were pretty much safe before Project Restart. So were Crystal Palace. And thank goodness, because their last eight Premier League results, seven straight defeats, and then the draw today. But they did finish on 43 points. Questions, though, being asked over the future of Roy Hodgson. Here is the Palace manager. I have to say, I was sat just yards away from you watching. You've lost none of your enthusiasm for the game. What, what does the future hold for you, Roy? What would you like to go on and do from here? Because, as you were, there's been talks about perhaps you speaking with the chairman. What would you like to do? Well, I mean, I haven't really given that much thought. I've got a contract for next year and I haven't spoken to the chairman. And as far as I know, there are no talks planned with the chairman either. So at this moment in time, I'm expecting just to carry on as, as normal as, as I would have done. Uh, and the, the comments and the speculation that you're referring to, I haven't paid a lot of attention to it. I haven't even read anything about it. But um, as far as I know, the, the chairman isn't planning any talks during the course of the week, so I shall leave here today prepared to, to start again until such time as I hear something different. 
Robbie Musto, should Crystal mm. Palace fans want Roy Hodgson to stay? Um, I think they should be looking for a new manager. Uh, we've been here before with Palace when they wanted to change a style and try and take it forward, and it was a disaster. And they ended up finding a way to, 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 to avoid relegation, and that's OK. And he's very steadying, I get that. But from last season to this season, there's been a drop-off. And that often goes into the following season. Now, well, there's two things. So Wilfred Zaha has looked miserable this season, throughout. His numbers are way down. There's got to be talks with him. One of his Robbie Earls kind of look into his eye to see what he wants to do uh, in terms of their star player. And Sean Dyche, and I'm sorry, Burnley fans, when we think about a new manager for them and the risk is involved, I don't think there's much of a risk with Sean Dyche. Experienced, a step up for him in terms of, of budget, certainly, with what he'll get at Palace compared to Burnley. And, you know, the style will be, will be similar and maybe be a little bit more expansive. It's not the end of the world if, if Roy starts next season. I just worry that they start badly and then you're scrambling, mm. trying to find a manager maybe mid-season when results are poor. So I'd be looking this summer. OK, well, Palace fans will be delighted to stay up and delighted to stay above and finish above their great rivals, Brighton and Hove Albion, under the coaching of Graham Potter for the first full season with Chris Hutton fired at the end of last season. He got a contract extension all the way through to 2025, just in November. They finished 15th, 41 points, had a good restart. And next season, would you believe already, would be their fourth straight season in the Premier League. So Graham Potter, a new name to a lot of Premier League fans last season. Yep. How much progress has he brought? Amazing. Amazing. Amazing? Yeah, brilliant progress. Changed. He's changed... I think half, roughly half the team is different to last season. The style is way different. Um, younger players have come in. Glenn Murray is kind of getting eased down. Neil Mope, the signings have been really good. I wasn't sure what to expect. That's why I worried about Brighton this season, because of the change in style that we knew was going to come. But he's the real deal. And they've given him a long contract. And, and I feel now they won't be in my thoughts relegation next year of what he's done and what I'm sure he's going to try and do with more players coming in and those young players get, getting even better. So Graham Potter, one of the guys that's on my list of this season, is like, well done, really impressive work. And, and we'll see how he takes the club forward next season. So moving to the team that finished in 16th position, and that is West Ham United. Big money spent, especially on Sebastian Allaire last summer. They fired Manuel Pellegrini in December when they were one point above the relegation zone. Reappointed David Moyes for his second stint. Just the five wins in his 19 games, but it was enough, Robbie Earl, mm. to finish five points above the relegation zone. So West Ham United, yeah. they need stability. Uh, absolutely David Moyes, stability. second mm. stint. Yeah. Is this the future now? Support him, Rebecca. I have to say, Project Restore, I was worried about West Ham. The 3-2 win at Chelsea was a game-changer, it was a season-changer. And what we've seen in this time is a shift for West Ham. And West Ham fans might not listen, but we've gone a little bit away from the West Ham Academy of playing the great football. And I look at Antonio, Suchek, Rice, Noble, Bowen, have come in, who were talented footballers, but work hard as well. And I just wonder if West Ham need to have a little bit shift away from some of those great technical players that you want in your team, but you've got to have the energy, the work rate, the intensity, that you look at the big teams they have as well. And if they're going to go that way and you're going to keep David Moyes, buy the kind of players that are going to help him to, to get what you want. And winning football can come back to West Ham. This is another club that... Always is in trouble, Rebecca. There should be so many better days for West Ham United. Actually, at the beginning of the season, we all thought they were going to do a lot better than mm -hmm. 16th. Some thought they were going to challenge for the top six. Aston Villa came back into the Premier League this season, as we know, of course. And boy, did they spend some money as well, Robbie Earl. It didn't mm -hmm. really go according to plan because it was a struggle from day one. But it did end happily. A quick reminder of the <laughs> scenes in the away dressing yeah. room at West Ham wow. after they got their point, which was enough to keep them up. The 
this is this is everything they could have hoped for when we started Project Restart to be going to West Ham on the last day of the season and needing to get them to stay in the league. They got it. They got their points. And in some respects, I credit the owners for, for putting in nearly $200 million over the two windows. The scattergun approach to it and the lack of Premier League experience is shown. Recruitment's so, so important. It's OK to have money, but don't just throw good after bad and, and not pick the right kind of players. So, sorry to interrupt, but yeah. how, do you, how will the Villa fans feel confident that mm. with such poor recruitment yeah. that they're going to get it right next season? Well, that's right. So you've got to look at the people who are making those decisions. You've got to have a profile of a player mm -hmm. and understand them. Know them, Rebecca. Know a little bit more than the videotapes you see. Understand what they're like when you're winning, when you're losing, when you're playing away. Go to the Championship. There's some good players in the Championship. If you bring them into the right environment, can flourish. So just a better and, and a wider recruitment might be the way for Villa to move forward. Well, they'll think about that tomorrow. No doubt tonight they'll be partying <laughs> in Birmingham, that's for sure. We heard from Eddie Howe, the Bournemouth man manager, earlier on with them being relegated. He was really holding back the tears, I think. He made over 250 appearances as a player for the club across two stints. Was appointed manager in January 2009, so has been there for 11 years, also across two stints, and took them up from the fourth division of English football all the way to the Premier League, and he led them to their best ever season in English football, which was ninth in 2016-2017. But they have now been relegated. And, Robbie Earl... Mm. Eddie Howe, we talked about it's a time for reflection. Yeah. He talked about it being a time for yeah. reflection. Robbie would like to see him stay. What mm. do you think? I just wonder if it, it might be time for a change, Rebecca. It's 11 years over two stints you've talked about. He knows some of these players he's been with since, like, League One has brought them up through the leagues in the Championship. And there can be a little bit of, of knowing somebody too well, understanding how they're going to work. I just wonder if he needs a little break. It looks like, personally, it's really affected him. And then he comes again with a new team. He will have learnt from this as well. There was a time for, for Bournemouth to roll your sleeves up and slug it out. Let's, let's go street fight and get some points. Eddie Howe and his team were sitting there having a cup of tea. They, they, they weren't prepared to go down and dirty and get the points that were needed. Would he get a job in the Premier League elsewhere, yeah. though? Yeah, he would. His reputation is good enough. I think he would. Okay. And if I was a manager, owner, I'd employ him as well. Interesting. OK, well, it's been a mess at Watford, let's be honest. They finished second bottom. Javi Grazia was fired after three losses in the first four games. In came Kike Sanchez-Flores, then he was fired. Hayden Mullins took over, then in came Nigel Pearson, then he was fired. Two games to go over the season, and poor old Hayden Mullins now has a relegation on his CV. So, major questions over the Pozzo family ownership, Robbie Musso, mm. and where this club goes now. Gina Pozzo's had a shocker. Absolute shocker. The, the, we detailed it right there. You go on the, off the back of a best-ever Premier League finish last season, FA Cup final appearance. Gracia's done a great job and then just fire him so quickly. You bring in a guy that's been here before. All the changes, awful. Nigel Pearson comes in, and I believe he's going to get him out of it because I know him and, and we've seen what he's done before. And he did. He got him out of the relegation zone. And then you fire him with, with a couple of games to go. I mean, I think the credit will go to Aston Villa for getting those results and being stronger to get them away from it. But, I mean, you know, the Pozzo family, that I've enjoyed the players they've brought into the Premier League. I've enjoyed some of the football they've played. I don't mind if there's a different coach, but this has been too many. Too many changes, and the players like, well, a different coach again, a different system. Just too many changes have really hurt them. And I don't know where the club go on the back of this relegation. I really don't. It's going to be a very difficult way back, surely, for Watford. And what about Norwich? Because it really has been a dismal season. A couple of bright points, but on the whole, they're bottom in every area. Wins, losses, points, goal difference as well. Generally, it's not been good at all. They've been relegated for a few weeks, Rob.
Robbie, and now the vultures will begin to circle around Todd Cantwell, around Temu Puki. Mm. Any others? Who, who else might leave? How will they become decimated? Ben Goffrey. I like Emiliano Buendia as Mac a wide Lawrence. player. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, possibly. Um, they just haven't had the, the mentality and, and the spirit and the steel to stay in the division. Played lovely football, and they did last season in the Championship. Conceded a lot of goals in the Championship, which gives you a little bit of a heads-up about how they might do in this league with no new players. We know the director of football is all about the top 25, and he wants Norwich City to be in the top 25. Well, they're 20th <laughs> right now, and next season they're going to get a lower number than that, but he'll want them in the top 25 to get a chance to come back into the division. I'm just a little disappointed, and the fans must be as well, that a little bit more money wasn't spent to try and keep them up. Just bring in a couple of players that might have added something, some Premier League experience, but they didn't and they were nowhere near good enough for the league. So, gentlemen, we are back in seven weeks' time, and Robbie Musto, mm. they're going to have to crunch the season a little bit, of course, with the delayed beginning being at September the 12th all the way around to May 23rd. It's going to be probably the shortest Premier League season of all time. Mm. How do you think that's going to affect the players, managers, games, the season? It's just going to be harder, you know, with the amount of games. We'll see if any other rules are changes, substitute, etc., whether that change for next season, but... Um, it will be different. It will be demanding. Uh, I mean, they have this kind of this big break to really recover themselves with their physicality. A uh, shorter break now, and then we start again. And, and, and just thinking about next season, you know, can Liverpool be as good again, you know? And, uh, and just, just thinking about this season, it is Liverpool that, that has to be in my thoughts of, of what this season has meant and what a job that Jurgen Klopp has done and what a job the football club has done. And really a blueprint how you go from where they were mm. to winning the title in terms of stability, of improvement, of recruitment, of ground development, training ground development. And that will be my outstanding memory of this season will be Liverpool, of course, what they've done, but more importantly, how they've done it over a period of time. Liverpool will be many people's outstanding memory yeah. this season. Will it be yours, Robbie, or would there be another memory that you will take away as the defining one from this year? The defining one would be, will be Liverpool winning that title, Rebecca. Just that we know that football club, we, we know what it means to have them there. I've got to tell you, which, which runs it closely, it wasn't as emotional maybe without the fans of that. Aston Villa, you talked about the crunch next season and, and, and you know, how difficult it's going to be. Let me tell you before kickoff. Aston Villa would have given anything to be in this league, to say, you know what, next season we're going to be a Premier League club, we get another chance, we'll get more investment, we'll become better. I think, and then you think of Bournemouth, you think of Watford, and, and I can remember the, the day I got relegated, the, the next day you wake up and you're hollow. You, you don't quite know what's coming. There's a 40-game season in the Championship. There's plenty of games there and plenty of uncertainty with contracts and people at the club and all those things. So look, it's great to be Liverpool and win titles. You've also got to think of, of people on this day like Bournemouth and Watford with ma major uncertainty around their football clubs. It is a difficult one, but people are already talking about it. We've already talked about it today. Who will win a title Crikey. next season? <laughs> Let's have a break. No? Oh, wow. I tell you what, I, I think it could be our best ever race in terms of the big clubs getting bigger and stronger. I tend to think it's so hard, so much effort with Liverpool to put in. Uh, I think Man City will, will regain it. Liverpool Football Club, <gasps> back to back. Boom. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 
21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.